Good morning. <laughs> for those of you who don't know me, my name is Lisa Letterman, and I've been married to Pastor John for 33 years. I, I teased him that I should get a standing ovation for that. <laughs> um, and I have one son, JC, who you know as the worship leader here at Riverview. That video, that video was powerful. And I know I see some tears. When I watched it for the first time, I had those tears as well. We know that Mother's Day is not always an easy day for a lot of you, whether you've lost a mom or, or as I said, there's so many of those scenarios that are painful for women, um, painful for everyone on Mother's Day. But what I loved about the video was that they used the word we over and over in the voiceover because we're supposed to be a community who we care about each other. We pray for each other. We, as they said, we mourn with each other. We weep with each other. We pray, as I said, but also we hope with each other Amen. for the hurts that we're going through. <clears throat> I wanted to, um, I don't know, we'll put up the photo of, <laughs> so here's my one son, JC. I thought people might get a kick out of seeing him. He was about probably between Addie and Elijah's age at this point. It's very funny, right? Um, my little blonde boy, right, with none of this stuff yet. <laughs> um, but anyway, so... I was asked to give the message today, and obviously it's a hard day to give a message when it's something like this where so many struggle. But I do want to offer some hope by way of my testimony and what God has done in my life, what he's taught me, what he has taught me, what he is teaching me, and what I think he'll continue teaching me my whole life. Despite all the pain in your life right now, I want you to know that he is working. He is working to conform you to the image of his son, Jesus Christ, and he will do what it takes to get you there. <laughs> How do I know that? Well, because I've lived it. I'm old enough now to look back and see what God has been doing in my life, even before I was saved. As I was preparing for this message, I was thinking about how in junior high school, I, I wasn't saved till college, but in junior high school, a friend of mine and we would get, our parents would drive us to this bus station and we would take a bus to the mall. I still think it's kind of interesting, but anyway, we'd get there when the mall opened, we'd spend all day wandering around the mall and then we'd take the bus back. But what did girls do? We just walked around and we shopped and whatever. But one of the things I bought back then was a poster. And the poster was this really cute little, it was called Betsy Clark. For those of you that are older, you may remember this illustrator. Um, but interestingly, it had a scripture on it. And the scripture was from Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, which says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. So again, it was very interesting that I picked that poster because I didn't know what the Bible said. 
I just thought the poster was cute. And that poster hung in my room um, until about a year and a half ago when my uh, brother redecorated the room. (laughs) It was still there. The pink shag carpeting, all of it, it was still there. And the poster on the wall. But that is what my message is about today. The trusting in God, no matter what you think or feel, how much you're hurting today, I want you to... I want you to hear my testimony because I think sometimes we, we sit in church and we, we come and we go and we don't know the testimonies of the people right around us. We think, oh, their life is perfect. You know, they never had any trouble. And that's not true. That's why we need each other. We need community. We need to find out about each other and what each other has been through. So as I said, I have one son, JC, but um, not all of you, some of you know that we had two other children. About two, uh, two years after JC, we had a little boy named Stephen. But Stephen was born too early, and he only lived a half hour. And so, needless to say, we were devastated. Um, but because I could get pregnant again, and I did rather quickly, we were able to put our grief behind us. And Um, We were looking forward to the birth of our daughter, Elizabeth. Well, about one year later, I was back in the same hospital with the same thing. She was born too early, a little later than Stephen, but she was still born too early. She died two days after birth. And at the same time, right after she was born, I was hemorrhaging And so I had to be rushed into emergency surgery, and um, I was given nine pints of blood. It was very um, touch and go, and um, but obviously I survived. The anesthesiologist, the day we were leaving the hospital, he came by, and he stopped by our room. He was a a born-again Christian, and he said to me, I have to tell you, we almost lost you on the table. And I hadn't realized the severity of what I had gone through, but... I think because I was so focused on Elizabeth and everything else, you know. But once I got home, the the whole weight of losing the second child, coupled with the loss of being able to have any more children, was devastating. I I think this is kind of graphic, (laughs) but I tell people that it was like God was saying, Not only are you not going to have any more children, but I'm ripping out your uterus in case you have any ideas that you're going to have another child. And (laughs) it felt so cruel. It felt like, how, how could God do this? How could he allow something so awful to happen to us? Um, I did go into a place of deep, dark depression. It was like being in a wilderness. And again, looking back on it all, I can see that I was stuck. I was stuck in the, this one question of why. Why, God? Why did you allow this to happen to me? And I see the sinful pattern. It was... First, I was demanding God to explain himself to me. And then when he didn't, 
I began questioning his character. And I don't know if any of you have been there, but I think that's a pretty common thing. When God doesn't do what we want him to do, we begin to question who he is. And is he a God of love? And those are the questions that Satan loves to come in and and ask us at that point. But there was something else. And this is the, the lesson that God began teaching me. And it came through my son, JC, about that time that the photo was taken, he was, he was in kindergarten, and it was half-day kindergarten at that point, and we lived real close to the school, so I would walk him to school, and then at lunchtime, when he was over, I would walk back and pick him up and take him home. And a lot of times, we would stop by McDonald's for a Happy Meal because we lived really close. And um, But this one day, I didn't have any money, so we, I picked him up, and we're walking home, and he said, can we go to McDonald's? And I said, no, we can't go to McDonald's today. Well, why not? Well, I don't have any money. And he said, let me see your pocketbook. (laughs) And I I was like, I was so shocked. This sweet little boy didn't believe his mama. (laughs) And I said, JC, don't you trust me? And he said, he thought for a minute, and he looked up at me, and he said, well, I trust you, Mommy, but not that much. (laughs) And God tapped me on the shoulder, and he said, that's you. And I realized that was me. I was not trusting God in this situation that I was grieving so much. And when I say grieving, I mean, I have never grieved like I grieved during that period. I would be out in the middle of the night, prostrate on the floor. These, the only way to describe it is these guttural sounds coming out of me. Grief, grief. But grief that I, I mean, I had had grandparents die and other people and, you know, but this was different. It was a, a grief from someplace so deep inside me. It, it was scary. I have to admit, it was very scary. Um, <clears throat> but it's one thing to know your problem. So I, I knew I had a problem trusting God, but it's another thing to solve that problem, right? But As someone that had walked with Jesus a long time by that point, um, I did know where to find the answers. And so I'm so glad that Pastor Stacy last week and uh, what she said, she talked about the word of God and how important it is that we read it, we study it, we know it. And at that point, I had done that. Excuse me, I was saved in college and One of the first things after I was saved, a friend of mine handed me a Bible and said, read it. (laughs) It's like, okay. Well, I read it. I read it so much that that Bible fell apart. But what I didn't understand at the time was why. Why, as a Christian, I was this new Christian, why was it so important that I had to read the Bible? Well, I found out the Bible is Jesus. And so if I call myself a Christ follower, I got to get to know the person that I'm following. And Jesus is in the Bible. And and 
again, learning these things over the years, Jesus just isn't just in the New Testament, everyone. <laughs> Jesus is in the, the Genesis to Revelation, the entire Bible. You have to read the Bible to get to know Jesus if you call yourself a Christ follower. It's not optional. If you want to get to know Jesus, if you want to live and live well, you read the Bible. And if you have trouble reading the Bible, praise God, we live in the time and day where you can listen to the Bible on an app on your phone. It's amazing. <laughs> so, um, yes, I'm praising God for that. So I knew where to go, and I did go to the Bible. So I was in a rhythm already of reading the Bible. I did not, even though I was grieving, I did not stop reading the Bible. I kept reading the Bible. And I believe that helped me not to fall away completely. Um, Jeremiah 29, 11, it's on the screen, says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And that's what I'm trying to explain to you right now. You have got to go to God. Counselors are great. Um, I read a lot of secular books, you know. I've read everything from why pray to disappointment with God. I, I, I mean, I was searching. I was searching. I wanted to know what other people did to get out of this pain and misery. Um, but it was the word of God that really that really taught me the most. So I was learning what my problem was, the trusting God, but I still had one major roadblock, and that was the why question. Why did you take my children? And God wasn't budging. All he would say was, will you trust me? I remember I, I went to hear one of the, um, these women that I, I love her messages, Elizabeth Elliott. She was a missionary. And I would follow her around like a groupie. Every time she would speak, I was there. And um, she said that one time. She said that God is saying, I was sitting in the audience and she stood where I'm standing and she said, God is saying, will you trust me? And I was just like, you know, how did she know? How did she know? That is my biggest problem is trusting him. And I, and I want to describe a point that I came to. And I, Bear with me. I don't know if it was, a, I'd say, a vision or a dream or whatever, but it was like I had walked into a forest. And if you've ever gone into a forest you know, as you get deeper and deeper into the forest, the trees get tighter and tighter. The light is less, you know, than when you're outside. And I had gotten to a point so deep in the forest that when I turned around, I couldn't see the light. And I knew then and there, if I went any further the way I was going, walking away from God, I wouldn't find my way back. I knew then, I knew it. I was, I had a terror in my heart that if I chose to walk any further, that was gonna be it. And as I said, it terrified me so much, I said, 
I surrender. I surrender to you, Lord Jesus. I'm going to choose to trust you whether or not I ever find out the why. And immediately, the door was open and I was out of that depression. And so I tell people, I've told my husband, you know, um, he has shared about his depression. And I, I try to tell people who are in depression, I know the way out. I know the way out. I can show you the way out. There's another scripture, um, and it's from Hosea. And this I read much later in life, but it, it really describes that same forest experience. In verse 14, it says, therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. There, in the wilderness, I will give her back her vineyards and will make the valley of Accor, which means trouble, a door of hope. When I read that, I thought, that's my story. That's my story. Now, bear with me here. God cares so much about you. He is willing, this is hard to accept. God is willing to lead you into the valley of trouble. I don't know what your trouble is, what your heartache is, but I know we all have it. But God is willing to lead you into that valley. But here's the, here's the most important thing. But he speaks tenderly to us there. He is, and that means, if he's speaking to us there, guess what? It means he's with us. He's not left you. He has not abandoned you. He is with you there. And, and it says, he will show you. Once, once his purpose is complete, for bringing you into the desert, into that valley of Accor. Once his purpose is complete, he's going to show you the doorway of hope out of there. And that to me, when I read that scripture, and that's Old Testament, what, see what I mean? The Old Testament has so much to tell us because when he says he's with us, we know it's Jesus who's with us in our suffering. Jesus says, I, you know, I will never leave you or forsake you. We know that. We know that. <clears throat> There's another, um, Elizabeth Elliot would always refer to Amy Carmichael, who was a missionary in India. And um, she has an incredible story too. But Amy Carmichael wrote a poem called In Acceptance Lieth Peace. I'm not gonna read the whole poem it's a little hard to, you know, grasp in a, in a short time. But basically what Amy Carmichael was saying was, it's not in forgetting our problem or filling our life with endless activity to cover up our pain or even retreating into ourselves. And that's what depression does. But the last line of the poem is, in acceptance lieth peace. And that's what surrender is. Surrender is saying, I don't understand. I don't understand, but I'm going to choose to accept your will. Amen, that's right. I'm going to choose. Amen, that's right. 
<clears throat> and one other uh, a story that I'd like to share with you is not from our lives, but John's brother Rod and his wife Debbie, um, <clears throat> when they got married, they tried to have a baby. And for 13 years, they tried and tried and tried and nothing, nothing. Well, they came to a point of acceptance and surrender. And so their pastor found out about it and said, hey, would you guys be willing to give your testimony on Mother's Day? They said, okay. So they stood up on Mother's Day and they gave their testimony how they had wanted children, but it wasn't um, God's plan. And they have since accepted it as God's plan. But what they didn't know was while they were standing up there testifying to God, Debbie was pregnant with our now 18-year-old nephew. So God is so good. I mean, I'm telling you, the acceptance is key. And I'm not saying it's a, it's a talisman to get what you want from God. Uh, I, and I do need to share this funny story. Because when I was single and living, I had a roommate. She and I both wanted to be married. And we were both living in Queens. We were working in Manhattan. We were sick of the, the, the working. We wanted to just have the life that we thought, you know, getting married and having babies and all that. And so we had read a book about surrender. And we're both like, okay, we surrender, we surrender, we surrender. And then, and then I looked at her and I'm like, did you do it? And she goes, no, did you? I'm like, no. And, um, you know, we were using that surrender as like, a, okay, if we do this, we're going to get our husbands, you know. No, I'm not saying to do that. I'm talking about battling it out with God, you know, going through. I'm sorry, you have to go through grief and depression. You cannot, you may be able, I'm not against medication and medication is fine for a little while, but eventually you have to go through the hard times. You have to go through it, but you're not alone. You're not alone. And that's what I want you to hear. So I said that God had been teaching me even before I was a believer with that poster in my room. And then he was teaching me, he taught me through the, through the um, death of our children, but he's still teaching me about trusting him. And in our Riverview group reading plans, we came to this story, this account about Solomon building the temple for God. And you know, if those of you that know the story, his father David was king before him and David wanted to build a temple for God. And he was very capable, he could have done it, but God said, no, you've shed too much blood being a warrior. Your son Solomon is gonna be the one to build the temple. So David says, okay. He gets the materials together, and and then after he dies, his son Solomon does build this temple. Well, 414 years later, after this temple is built, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon comes and destroys Jerusalem, destroys this temple. I sat there reading that from the word, going... What? That doesn't make any sense. Why would God? And I'm, if you read this, the, the account, God was meticulous in his detail of 
creating this temple, meticulous. There were pomegranates to be carved. There were certain, I mean, the wood, the, the, the size, everything was so meticulously done. It was gorgeous. And God said he would even live there. It was wonderful. Why would God destroy this temple that clearly he wanted built? And then it hit me. God doesn't care about the temple. God doesn't care about a building. God cares about, and we are the temple of God now. In the New Testament, by the way, we are the temple. God lives in us. But he doesn't care about the outward, the building. He cares about our hearts. He cares that we love him, that we worship him, that we trust him. That's what he cares about, not the building. And so again, I just... I'm in awe of how his word continues to teach. So I encourage you to stay in the word all the time. The, the last scripture is from um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. That is such good news, especially for an older person. (laughs) Now that I'm older, I get that scripture. My body is wasting away, but God in his faithfulness is working on my heart and my mind and my emotions and my soul over and over and over, conforming me to the image of Jesus Christ. Thirty years ago, after Elizabeth died, I could never have imagined that 30 years later, God would provide two boys and a girl through Brittany and JC. Exactly what I would have had. I, I don't think that's a coincidence. God is a faithful, redeeming, loving God who just wants a relationship with you. He wants you to trust him. He loves you. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you so much for what you have done in my life. And I know you are working in everyone else's life as well. You are doing everything in your power to transform us, to make us like Jesus. You've given us your word. You've given us your Holy Spirit. You've given us everything that we need to become like you, Jesus. I pray for everyone here, everyone online, anyone that would hear my testimony, that they would hear that I am standing here giving thanks to you who are a faithful, redeeming God. And I just want to praise you, Lord. I want to thank you, Lord. I want to thank you in advance for what you're going to do through everyone here, Lord God. I love you and I praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.